delicious food. We sort of start here uh, for our grocery shopping. We start here and see what we want to buy and then we plan our meals around it. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show about curiosity. We look at research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. And today, I wanted to try something a little different. I decided to go someplace familiar, but interesting, a place I've been many times before, and choose to be curious. So I headed for the Arlington Farmer's Market at Courthouse. The day we visited was fabulous, sunny, mild. The market was full of people. When I approach the market, the first thing I always hear is Samuel Ali playing what, to my eyes, looks like a ukulele. Lesson one, I learned it's a charango. I didn't know Samuel's name until I asked when I bought a CD from him this winter. Lesson two, always ask. You've probably heard him. He plays at the north end of the parking lot. For me, he's the sound of the market. He wears a hat to keep the sun off, and even on that mild day, his fingertips and long, strong nails peeked out from gloves as he played his instrument. He explained the word charango means happiness. Walking around, I tried to concentrate on all my senses. Besides the music, there was laughter and chatter, the occasional plaintive complaint from a dog tied outside the market area, a generator, a coffee grinder, certainly lots to see. I could smell bacon from the breakfast sandwiches at Cowbell Kitchen and a sharp, fresh smell, a, a green smell. I was curious what I might get my hands on, you know, in a permissible way. With that as a backdrop, we wandered the market with the help of market manager Cynthia Singizer. My question to her had been, what might we find if we chose to be curious at the market? I think one thing that you should be curious about is talking to the vendors and talking to the people who are growing the food or producing the food and really hear from them their story because farmers markets have a lot of stories in that you get to meet the people who are making your food um, versus picking something off of a shelf in a different setting. So um, I think we should be very encouraged to talk to the vendors, sample where appropriate, um, because it's always fun to try new things that you haven't had before. Customers Emma, Sam, and Jamie were definitely in the spirit of things. We were really hoping to find some kaolettes, which are... Oh, so I can get here. Yeah. Yeah. I know, we're heading over there. I had never heard of a kaolette until today. Kale and Brussels sprout hybrid. It is the best thing in the world. (laughs) Uh, My personal favorite uh, here. We also really like the sorbet that's here, but the guy's not here today. so. So the market's been at this exact same location since 1979. And we have, in the winter, approximately 22 vendors. We are a year-round market. And in the summer, there's more along the lines of 35 vendors. Uh, The market is considered a producer-only market in that you either need to grow or make the product yourself. Uh, I guess, like, 
how often the other farmers markets they go to and get the businesses behind it. I'm kind of interested to in learn how successful they are or aren't. Uh, like what, you know, there's some people obviously here from Pennsylvania, like why are they coming to Arlington, Virginia? Is this like the best farmers market market around? Um, is this the best place for them to go, the, the consistent service? Um, why is this better than somewhere closer that I'm sure would use less transportation costs? Yeah. We, it is a local market, so there is one exception to this rule, but we require that people be located within a 125 mile radius of Arlington. And we also uh, have a, a SNAP, which is uh, formerly known as Food Stamps Program, where SNAP customers can use their EBT card at the market to get white tokens, and through a grant we have a matching donation of $1 for every SNAP dollar that's spent that can be used on fruits and vegetables. And the vendors range across the eating spectrum, where we have fruits and vegetables, of course, produce vendors, meat, dairy, baked goods, uh, plants, herbs, cut flowers, um, hummus, fermented uh, foods, and then some prepared foods, um, where we have breakfast sandwiches and breakfast burritos, and you may have heard of Max Donuts. <laughs> Besides all that, in high season, you might find master gardeners, food safety experts, and others who come to offer information, including a lot of local nonprofits. And year-round, there are volunteers like Angela who help keep the place humming. Um, I'm the early morning one. I'm the only person that comes right when it starts. Um, and that's just because I like waking up early. I'm a very much an early morning person. So. I talk to a lot of the vendors. I definitely give a lot of information about where stuff comes from. Um, I help with collecting, counting, um, which is really important. So every half hour you want to do a count of how many people walk through, which helps kind of give um, people who donate and help with the SNAP matching program um, an idea of how many people are coming through, which is busy season. Um, we try to get about 1,500, that's like our goal. I think um, altogether, she had said earlier, we had about 40,000 um, through the busier season. Slower seasons, it's usually about 400. I love, I love talking to the farmers, really as, as weird as that is. I mean, obviously the fresh food and, and the prepared foods, like I get that and it's always nice to taste that, but talking to people and getting to know them, like Chester, the, the cheese vendor, he always shows me pictures of his kids and all the different like cows and, and uh, like weddings and stuff. So that's, that's always really, really fun. So we have a couple of pop-up vendors. I always wonder like how well they do and how they interact with the other farmers because they're not normally here. And kind of that relationship is very like, it's very strange and sometimes it can be tense, but sometimes it's very fun to see like them getting ideas for when they go away. Sometimes they bring that into different people and how they interact, so. Another volunteer, Christine, walked around with us. She says she's always curious about what's in season. And thankfully, she could provide some on-the-spot translation when I got curious at Twego. The interaction with, with the customers and the community. And uh, do people ask good questions? Yes, people ask good questions. 
eh, los sabores de las manzanas, eh, orgánicas, las peras. Este, I was curious about his favorite among all those apples. Yeah, which is that? Uh, the Goldens? Goldrush. Gold Goldrush. Oh. Yeah. And do we have some of those to sample here today? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> then it's going to be curious about. <laughs> oh, Goldrush. Here we go. All right, I'm going to get Goldrush apple. Goldrush is really good. Oh, it's a little tart, that right? That is good. Yeah. Taste testing seems like an obvious way to be curious at a farmer's market, but it turns out not everyone is quite so game. So how is the superfood? Did you try it? You didn't taste no, it? No, I don't no like curious. She's not that curious, <laughs> let me tell you. There's a limit. Yeah. <laughs> so what would it take to get you to taste it? Um. All right, being asked. She's choosing to be curious. Do I have I to take it. the whole... Yeah. Oh, she's got a kind of grim looking face. You do not have a what happy do you think? face. <laughs> no, but now she's smiling. I'll eat the rest of it. How is it? I think it's good. It's like Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts, so. It tastes more like broccoli than Brussels yeah, sprouts me to too. me. I think so too. I mean, it tastes like raw broccoli. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like raw broccoli. So, of course, we had to go check that out with Marty at Twin Springs Fruit Farm. Um, so the KLFs are uh, a product of Johnny's Seed, which is, uh, I believe, out of Maine. And uh, um, they figured out how to cross a Brussels sprout with kale. Um, it had never been done before. Uh, they were the first to really accomplish it, I suppose. Uh, it's only been around for 10 years. Um, uh, I generally just saute them, a little olive oil, salt, pepper. Um, very simple to prepare. You treat it like it's a Brussels sprout. Um, they're certainly prettier than Brussels sprouts. Uh, and they are. They're much prettier than Brussels sprouts. They're ruffled, green, and purple, almost like decorative winter cabbage, but cuter. I wondered where all this stuff grew. With Adams County, is, it has this fruit belt uh, where the hills start, come out of the... Uh, oh, so the, the altitude, I mean, sort of the climate is perfect. And then right. the belt kind of, and what it, where is that belt? Is it along the Appalachians? So, is that what it is, or the... Um, yep, it's just where the Appalachians start, the Bridgen uh -huh. Valley. Um, and uh, so, you know, you have the Piedmont, and that's yeah. the flat ground, and then the Ridgen Valley starts, the Appalachians, and... Uh, very, very old mountains, older than life itself, and uh, um, prime fruit growing ground. Our ground ranges in elevation from 900 to uh, 1,200 uh, feet elevation. And, uh, I had to agree with Cynthia and Angela that it's the stories that are so wonderful. Marty doesn't look like an old timer, but. Uh, I believe. 35, 40 years. I mean, I can remember um, the old courthouse. Uh -huh. I, my mom says she was pregnant with me when she uh, came to do markets. So oh, I, yeah. I don't, I've yeah. never asked her if you that was Arlington. Yep, yep, yep. It's uh, destiny, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.
he definitely isn't alone in growing up at the market. Yeah, I particularly love the families, like the families and like the young kids who are helping out and they know just as much about the goat cheese as their parents do. Um, And they tell you about like the names of the goats. And they're excited to come up to you and talk to you about what they have and sell you on it, but not in like a trying to make a buck kind of way, but like I want you to enjoy this (laughs) product. They're not adult about it. Yeah, they'll give you a taste too. Yeah, Yeah, last time we were here, we got a taste of the goat cheese and it was really good. Passion and pride in what you do. Yeah. From a young age, I think it's interesting. Yeah. And sure enough, at Little Antietam Goat Dairy, Jude Hess introduced us to his daughter and her friend who'd come to help out for the day. Jude is a tall man with a warm grin, bushy beard, and broad brimmed hat. He sells goat cheese. Wish they were more curious about goat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know about the amber-colored maple syrup and the lovely-smelling soaps he was selling. So it's the way soap used to be made. It actually uses uh, lye to convert to fats. Um, and so it's, it's real soap. <laughs> um, very, very nice on the skin. Um, and then we just have the different scents. So we take the yes, that's right. So we take the, take the oils. We have uh, it's an olive, coconut, and palm kernel oils is the fats that we use, and then you uh, take distilled water and lye and actually dump it together, and the lye is what converts the fats, which saponifies the fats. Then you also add your uh, uh, essential oils for your, for your scents. We tried some with actually using animal fats, but that's, that's too, it, we didn't like that. Too greasy, yes, yeah, it was, it was too. We're just starting a kidding season. Wow. So, we get done with the kidding season. We'll be probably close to 200 <laughs> this spring. That's a lot of goats. Yeah, it is. And so, how much, how much land does that take? Well, we just have six minutes. acres, so it's it doesn't take a lot for goats. That's actually one of the reasons we got into goats was it fit on our farm. <laughs> so, what's a soap-making goat farmer curious about? I asked. Well, just the, all the different people. <laughs> you know, that that would be a, a part of it, but. We'd actually have more interest in the other vendors and, you know, their their uh, farm enterprises. Um, and that would be something we'd enjoy doing is going and visiting their farms just to, just to learn. Then chatting with George at Dimitri Olive Farms, one of the pop-up vendors, soon to be year-round, we learned he likes connecting with other vendors as well. And he taught us how to taste test olive oil. When you taste it, you want to let it. Uh, you want to let it run down the back to the back of your tongue. So you don't want to just gargle like wine or anything. You just want to let it sit and just let it slide down. It should start off smooth, and then it should end with a peppery kick towards the back. And the peppery kick comes from the olive sediment. That's very important. If you don't get the kick, that means it doesn't have the sediments. The sediments is where all the nutrition is held. That's the main purpose of using olive oil. So if it doesn't have that, then you're not getting what you're supposed to have. So. <laughs> Andrew at Cibola Farms offered pamphlets with recipes to cook the many cuts of bison they have for sale. And Maeve at the mushroom stand started to explain who qualifies as a certified mushroom forager and how long mushrooms will last at home when Ferriel, the mushroom lady, jumped in with some in critical a brown bag advice. Not in a plastic bag. No. Yeah. Or a cloth bag. Cloth or- bag would be better. Oh, okay. So tell me about yeah. cloth bags for mushrooms. Yeah.
Yeah, because mushrooms need to breathe, and and you put them in a plastic bag, they sweat, and then moisture, and that's not good for them. You know, they they go, they go, they are uh, they are fungus, so they will they will be slimy when when they are. So when even when you put them in the fridge, you need a low humidity. She kept busy with a steady stream of customers as we spoke, snapping open paper bags as we went. Yeah, because any contamination can can like ruin the whole. And where, how are they going? Well, it it depends. Like uh, some on man-made logs, some on. Uh, um, like these on, on uh, we have a, uh, a medium, you know, like, and, and they are in bunks, you know, one on top of the other, mostly with, like they say, you have to throw them in the dark, that's not true, you, we do have daylight lights, you know, for them, it's mostly temperature, humidity, you know, to control them, so. And are they seasonal? No, all year round. All year round. All year round. I mean, in the wild, yeah, they are seasonal, but uh, um, at the farm, they are all year round. The the thing with mushrooms is they can be a side dish, they can be your main dish, they can, you, there is nothing you cannot do with uh, with mushroom. I marinate uh, the port with herbs and and olive oil and and balsamic vinegar and then um, we smoke it over applewood and black walnut wood. More recipes. My mouth was starting to water. It's like you can do anything with mushroom, whether it's sautéed on the side, it's in your rice, it's in your quinoa, it's in your soup, it's in your stew. You know, it's... uh, uh, like these put in a shish kebab, the shiitake one year I made in a Super Bowl Sunday. Um, my shiitake were the crust and we had different kinds of cheeses and people could put their cheese on it and, and sauce and, and we baked it in the oven and they were like amazing. But regulars at the market already knew that. I am a regular at the market. If I, unless there's some reason that I have to stay home on Saturday or like I slept in, um, I try to make it here every Saturday. And uh, if I can't make it here, I try to go to the DuPont Circle Market on Sundays. Um, I even came here uh, back in December. It was, I think, right before the market was going to shut down for Christmas Eve weekend. It was snowing. It was incredibly cold. Five minutes outside, and no matter what you were wearing, it was impossible. But I really wanted Max donuts. So I came all the way over here. There were only about five tents open. Bev over here at Echo Friendly Farms cheered me on for like even showing up. And Max was, of course, smart enough not to come in. So. <laughs> but I really wanted those. I'm not even a donut person. <laughs> I think they might be my favorite place. Um, but, you know, even Friel's, um, the mushroom lady, She's now knocked down a little bit <laughs> because of the donut truck. <laughs> so, yep. So the customers are curious about the farmers, and the farmers are as curious about each other as they are about the customers, and everyone is curious about the food. The potential for shared stories off the charts. So the takeaway, besides and some fabulous carrots. As if I challenge myself to ask just one more question in any moment, what might I ask? And Going to the farmer's market also made me think about the heated debate around our marketplace of ideas these days. I've, I've always liked that metaphor, but it, 
It's come under some challenge of late. Is the marketplace about barter, mass marketing, actually about trade? Is it shopping around as a consumer or as a promoter? Are ideas actually a thing of commerce anyway? But I keep coming back to this question. If we approach the divisions and questions among us with the same curiosity we allowed ourselves in the market on Saturday morning, what might we do differently? Would we just wander? Would we sample novelty, taste testing something we weren't so sure about? Like my older friend at the market who didn't want to try kaolettes until I suggested she'd do so. Might we ask questions about origins, the effort expended, the environment in which something has grown? Would we be willing to buy something unfamiliar, take it home, and try it out on family and friends before deciding how we really feel about it? I don't want to stretch the metaphor too far, but you get my idea. What do we discover when we really choose to be curious, no matter where we are? You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up on this show or any of the others, find us online, streaming, and on demand at WERA.FM. If you want to learn more about Arlington Farmer's Market, the many vendors or community food works which manages the market at Courthouse, as well as several others in the area, check them out at community-foodworks.org. I've got a link on our Facebook page, Choose to be Curious. Please like us there and follow us on Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. Special thanks to Community Food Works, Cynthia Singheiser, and the many volunteers, farmers, vendors, and customers who made our visit so great. To Antonia Villaronga for joining me as a sound engineer, and Samuel Ali for providing the soundtrack for every visit. A shout out to Anne, who wrote in with her bubble bath analogy. I think of a bath with hot water. You dip your toe in, and bit by bit, it becomes more comfortable, and as more and more is revealed as the bubbles dissipate. Thanks, Anne. I didn't take my big jar of wannabe analogies with me to the market, although I was tempted. So I'll leave you with this. How is curiosity like a farmer's market? Let us know. Hashtag analogy. I hope you'll join me next time when I celebrate my birthday and kidlings everywhere by talking with Arlington Public Schools Early Childhood and Pre-K Programs Coordinator, Kate Graham. Until then, choose to be curious. Whether you're a meat eater or a vegetarian or a vegan, mushroom is it for you. <laughs> like this one, this one tastes like jambalum crab meat. Some people call it the lion's mane. We call it pom pom. Yeah, Yeah, but you slice it thick and you season your flour with a little bit old bay and dust it, you know, like dip it in the flour and brown it in butter or olive oil. Oh my God, from there you can have it as a first course on a crostini with some peppers and, and olives, or you can. I made cream of crab because she's vegetarian. I made the cream. And then all she had to do is brown these and and put them in uh, cream, and it became like cream of crab, a vegetarian cream of crab. Here? No, I don't. I used to teach cooking in Anurandal Community College, as as a fun thing in the winter, but now I don't have the time. I don't have the time. 
Yeah. Wow, you're making you're making me really curious about doing things with mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I, love this. I mean, it's like uh, you come to Baltimore and see, and every yes. dish it's like my my creation. So it's amazing. That is very cool. That's, That's amazing. Very cool. Thank you so much. You're welcome.